trying a new thing today. We are trying a new thing today. We'll see how it goes. We are. Oh, you're wearing a thing now. So they gave me these compression sleeves to put over my oh yeah Franken arms. Like now we, it's not banter. It's just like check in with Jen's arm. Check in with Jen's arm. I mean, like literally, like when you think of like old timey cartoons of Frankenstein with like a big scar with like like that's like what my arm looks like. I love it. Do you though? Angelica Frankenstein makes her match. Mm, yeah. Jen Prokop makes her match. Right. Yeah. If I were going to make a fade of me, Jen, I would sew your arm together just like that. Oh, see, that's nice. I feel like I've been thinking about getting another tattoo, but I haven't, I like, I only have one, but I'm like, what's the process? Like it all of a sudden comes to me. And then I feel like that's going to be a scar. And I was like, oh, I had a great idea for a tattoo of like kind of books falling down my arm. Ooh, like a sleeve. not really a sleeve because I'm an old lady, but um, <laughs> that would be amazing if you like became a sleeve person. Yeah, exactly. I don't really see that. I also think, listen, that's an investment. Tattoos are expensive. Are they? I don't know. I don't have one. How much does it cost to get a tattoo? Tattoos, like a, someone with a sleeve of tattoos, has really made a big investment in in their body. It's it's very expensive. like thousands of dollars. Sa- yes, uh, f- and it would be multiple multiple trips. Like usually, they kind of evolve. I knew that. I knew yeah. that the color, like everything, happens at different times. Oh yeah, yeah. So anyway, I learned that from Naima Simone. Well, there you go. I only have one because tattoo. I read those tattoo books. Yeah, and it's small. And therefore, and it was a, a birthday present from Mr. Reed's Romance. We went in for my, mid, I call it my midlife crisis tattoo. Oh, that's so nice. Did he get one too? Yeah, he got a Leo. He's a Leo. It's Leo season. It's He's Leo like season a over. real astrology guy. Like it takes a lot to put a lion yeah. on you. Well, I mean, I think when it's a lion, it's cool. I mean, it is kind of cool. I've been noticing actually there are a lot of, um, Men on Instagram that have, like, a giant tiger on their pectoral muscle, like, just, like, the head of a roaring tiger, more than one person, and somebody out there right now is talking to their podcasting app because there's, like, a very famous person who has one, and then I think he's probably inspired a number of people to do this. My brother Mike's husband partner has a like a big tiger on his thigh mm. and it's and I feel bad because I'm like that's hot but it's like my brother's husband so I feel like a little wrong to have admired well I'm hot, sure though. he's yeah he's that's his identity yeah like, like he's just a very handsome man some so people are just fine. they're hot and that's their whole thing Welcome, everyone, to Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels, and I write them. I'm Jennifer Prokop. I'm a romance reader, editor, and klutz, <laughs> And today, we are starting a new, we think, what we think will be a series over the course of this season called, If You Liked, You Should Read. <laughs> I mean, okay, so what this is called in, like, my end of the business is a read-alike. It's called that in our end of the business, It's called too. that on your end of the business, too. You can brag the all you end. want, but... Well, people don't often know that. And so when I tell non-book people, like, they're like, oh, I really love this book. I wish I could read more like it. And I say, well, have you Googled, like, that title plus the word read-alike? And they're like, what? Wow. What so, is that? <laughs> and I was like, that is the key word that you need to tell the Google that that's what you want. Yes. 
And so what we decided we wanted to do, we've done a couple of episodes that are sort of similar to this in the sense that, for example, we did one when Bridgerton came out. We were like, if you like Bridgerton, you should read these things. Um, But what we have been thinking about a lot, and you all we know have been thinking about it too, and you've heard us talking about it, is uh, TikTok and the sort of boom, the kaboom, if you will. Yeah, right. The of, Big Bang. Of romance novels right now, or books that are romance adjacent, or romantic fiction. Like, all these books that are just dominating bestseller lists. They are clearly scratching a romance itch for a lot of readers. And what we wanted to do was give possibly new listeners or people who had come to romance and the podcast over the last couple of years, because a lot of you have, we have discovered, we thought it might be fun if we took some of these like very popular romance novels and said, and Jen and I read them, and then we like talk to you about what we think you should read next, depending upon what really made you happy in these about, books. Right. So yeah. in thinking about where we should start, there were some obvious places. We decided not to go to any of those obvious places. Um, but you can probably imagine some of the books that are coming over the course of the season. Um, but t- today, we're starting with uh, a book I really loved and many, 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 many people also really loved, which is Allie Hazelwood's The Love Hypothesis. If you liked The Love Hypothesis, you should read. <laughs> right. And now, I think one of the things that we're envisioning here is um, like kind of like I think one of the things that's fun for us is to break down, like, what is it that's appealing about the love hypothesis? What are the itches it scratches? Yeah, and then trying to find books that, like, match that, but that aren't necessarily all going to be at all, you know, rom-coms that, you know, that are pretty recent, right? Like, so it's going to really, we're going to really try and, you know, kind of widen the search. And these might include books that we've mentioned before, but, you know, I feel like it's, to me, when I read a book like Allie's, and I think, like, what like what readers is this bringing to the table? What books does this remind me of? What are the things that I'm like, oh, yeah, this part is really, you know, I love this part of it. So I think that's kind of our idea. It's not going to be, like, only based on plot or only based on character. Like, I think we have a lot of, like, really fun ways, I hope, of thinking about this. Yeah. In fact, we are sort of specifically avoiding the kind of, like, here are books that are exactly like yeah it's more like it's more like here books that have the vibe or the flavor or whatever like in my case i have a very let's start with my microtrope that i can't find or maybe (laughs) we should come to it at the end after people are primed we'll come to it okay yeah but yeah maybe there's like a little microtrope in the book that we really love or like you know we're there these are going to be easy breezy yeah exactly and I will also admit, listen, everyone, I hate to be this way, but I didn't really prepare all that much. I have some, like, lists I'm looking at. I have some things, but I, I'm going to trust in my romance brain right now to just Listen, this is where we shine. We shine so too. when it comes to 45 minutes before we record going, what if we did this? <laughs> Sounds so like here a great idea. <laughs> all right. So let's just briefly talk about the love hypothesis and why people love it and why it's adorable, because I think that's an important important piece of the puzzle. Um, The Love Hypothesis came out a little over a year ago in summer, summer of uh, 2021, and it sat on the bestseller list for 
I almost 50 weeks, I think like almost a full year, a full calendar year. And um, it is a very delightful uh, rom-com. I think it's a true rom-com. It's very funny. Ali has a very funny voice. Um, it began its life as Raylo fan fiction on AO3 or wherever, one of the fanfic sites. Um, and Allie had written, Allie wrote, um, Olive and Adam. I mean, I think there's no surprise here why the hero's name is Adam. Um, for for Raylo fans, and my understanding, I don't know this world, but my understanding is that it was a very, very big success before it even touched publishing. Right, right. Um, but what it is is, some would say. Enemies to lovers, I don't actually think that, I don't think it's really enemies to lovers. I think it's more grumpy sunshine. Agree. Immediately. I say grumpy sunshine and Jen should immediately scream. Scotty. Exactly. (laughs) I know the job, Sarah. I know the job. (laughs) Scotty is the hero of Managed by Kristen Callahan. And like primordial grumpy sunshine. I'm sorry. Yes. For me, definitely. That is, like, you say Grumpy Sunshine, I say Scotty, and it's just... So, I mean, I don't think either of us were planning on talking about Managed, but obviously, like, if you like Grumpy Sunshine and you haven't read Managed, we've done a... We did an episode on... Did we do... We did Fall. No, we did, we did the whole Managed. Series. We did Managed because it is my favorite. Right. But then... And then we sidebarred Fall. Yeah, and we've talked about Fall when we talk about Rockstar Romances. In that series, manages my favorite fall is Sarah's. Yes. And that's because that will surprise no one after you've listened to us talk for a long time. Managed is great. It's grumpy sunshine. It's great. So Adam and Olive are also very grumpy sunshine. Olive is a PhD candidate. Adam is a professor. They are not in the same right world. He is not her supervisor. They're both anyway. chemists, but they are different kinds of chemists, I think. I don't know. I'm not a STEM heroine, but... Biologists, I think. All right, okay. fine. Six of one, Science. one of the other, whatever. Science, <laughs> there everybody. There are test tubes involved. No, actually, I'm making the... I'm, I'm being flippant. Olive is, like, very concerned about cancer research. Like, she's doing a lot of cancer research. So, um... And then, and the way that this begins, we've talked about it this season already on the op- the great openings. It begins with Olive kissing Adam in, well, there's a prologue, but the first chapter begins with Olive kissing Adam in the dark, um, trying to convince her friend that she is dating a person for romance reasons. Um, and she did not expect to be kissing this very, very tall, very, very handsome, very, very grumpy, very, very stern um, and kind of terrifying professor in her department, but she does. And then it just so happens that it's very lucky that he also needs a fake relationship in order for romance reasons to happen on his side, too. So what ends up happening is this kind of, like, very fun, rompy, fake relationship that runs the course. There's, like, a a snidely whiplashy villain. There's a very fun group of friends that, like, can't believe Olive is dating this, taciturn, stern, terrifying professor. Sure. He's, like, the asshole. They actually call him, like, Adam the asshole or whatever in the... So, I mean, everybody thinks that this guy is just a real jerk. So, to have Olive be dating him is just mind-blowing to everybody. Right. And so, there are, you know, there's a trip where they have to go to a conference. And there's all sorts of, like, shenanigans that happen. That's where, like, we should also talk about 
the sex scene. And I'm sorry. The sex I'm... scene with the <laughs> headphones in, everyone, because there's a sex scene we're definitely going to talk about. In fact, <laughs> let's do it now. Jen. Here we are. The chair recognized the woman from the great state of Illinois. <laughs> Thank you. The thing that's great, I mean, the sex scene is, I mean, there's been a, like, a lot. It, it happens pretty late in the book. They're at the conference. And she, her friends assume that she is going to stay with Adam. And so Because she, they don't know. They don't know that it's fake, right? And so they cancel their sort of plans they had together. And so Olive is kind of really upset. She's going to have to get, like, a terrible motel room an hour away because, of course, academics have, especially graduate students, zero, make, like, zero money. And um, Adam's kind of like, what's going on? And so he's like, well, you can share my room. And, of course, she's like, no, we can't. Like, there'll be only one bed. And he's like, no, it's a double. I know. <laughs> and she's like, no, there will be only one bed. But they get there, and there's two beds. But it doesn't matter. This is the time. And, you know, it's been a long time for her. Like, she is – it's really interesting to me. This is not something – I've really heard anybody talking about in this book, but the way she talks about her own sexual identity, it sounds very pansexual, right? Mm -hmm. Like she talks about how she can't really feel sexual attraction until she feels kind of like respect and admiration that she knows this person. Mm -hmm. And so although she had a couple of um, lovers in college, they it was because she thought she had to more than she really was into it. And so Adam is like, okay, I see that, you know, I have to really take care of you. So he goes down on her like a hero, like all good men should, and um, gets her, like, really into it, really excited. And this whole scene is uh, – the whole the whole book is from Olive's point of view. I, I – I, right? And so she's – it's a really interesting scene to me, too, because she's really, like, in her own head. Mm-hmm. Like, how does it feel, and does it feel good? And then she's sort of swept away, and they have this great sex, and then she takes a little nap, and then he eats – he eats out his own cum – Look, and you know what? Okay. Look, I was, I was like, I'm oh. gonna, I have, I'd like to take issue with a number of people in my life <laughs> who, now I came late to the Love Hypothesis. I did not read it right when it first came out. I bought yeah. it and then I just like sat on it for a while because welcome to my life. Jen can see the I can sheer, see the stack of books behind you. Yeah. I'm build, slowly building myself a fort here. But I also thought to myself, like, no one has mentioned that this book is sexy. Like, so I assume like it's just going to be like a, cl- a clever, cute rom-com and that's going to be that. Then you get to this scene yeah. where this man, I mean, he really does the business. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, Allie Hazelwood, this (laughs) is a very hot scene. Very, very sexy. And then I immediately was, like, upset that no one had thought to tell me. That this, because in the grand scheme of things, also I take issue slightly with like this new like spice conversation that's happening, where like people just it's it's odd to me because it feels like a f- like there are certain acts that immediately increase okay. the spice factor in a book. Sure, eating your own, you know, deposit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, though, on TikTok, if you. The reason they have to use the word spice and be and use all that code, which is why I feel like I'm too old for TikTok, many things, is because you will get banned. Your TikTok, if you mentioned he eats his cum out of her, game over. Apple Podcast is like, we're just going to put a little explicit on this one again <laughs> and let us talk about it at length. Every episode, but, you guys. Every yeah, single episode. Every single one. It's fine. I feel like we're heroes. Anyway, because this is not an episode about the love hypothesis, but rather an episode 
episode about what you should read instead of the love hypothesis, let me say Nikki Sloan's The Pool Boy also delivers on this exact moment. Yes. In sex. You're right. I was, and that's, it's unusual, you guys. This is not something you're going to see a whole lot in like a mainstream. Here's my thing. Comments. This is one of the moments in sex, in books, in romance, that immediately increases the spice factor for me. Yes. Like, I'm like, all right, if we go here, we're sure. at a, we're at more chili peppers in the words of <laughs> Priscilla Oliveras. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, more. Nikki Sloan's The Pool Boy. Also has that. Is your read-alike for that particular act? Yeah. I don't know if I have others that aren't like Jessica Kane or, you know, Danny Wyatt or whatever. So what we're going to do now is sort of just, like, talk about everything that we kind of feel, like, triggered, sort of, like, oh, you should, like, you might like reading this. So I want to go back to Scotty because one of the reasons that Managed is a really good read-alike for this is not just Grumpy Sunshine, although it is a perfect Grumpy Sunshine book, but also the other thing about this and also Love on the Brain, which is Allie's newest release that just came out a few weeks ago, is both of these have like a pining hero mm. or but not quite pining it's more like i've been into you all along right like i have really been into you all along and 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 part of the like shtick of the book is that is that the heroines right do not be in um love on the brain and and olive have like no idea like they don't really realize that they have been on the radar of this man for so long do you think that that's like it has its roots in she was beautiful but didn't know she was which is a real old school like historical way of Maybe. This is not about the, the episode. Now we're, like, on this tangent. Yeah, now, of, like, of course. Well, we're, we're still us. It's us. You know, <laughs> we talked about marrying Winterborn last week, and there's this really great scene we didn't talk about on that episode where Lady Barrack says, do you really think you deserve Helen? <gasps> right? That was and a good Reese, moment. No man, all men marry up. All men marry up, so if, she, if she's going to marry me down, it might as well be me, right? Perfect. I think that it's maybe both of these kind of mixed together, right? So it's like these women who just don't understand how great they are, right? Mm-hmm. I never knew I was beautiful. I never knew I was awesome. But also part of this, like, meeting someone who sees you for how perfect and awesome you really are, right? Mm-hmm. That's very sexy. And we see that a lot in romance. But, I mean, even though Scotty and Sophie meet at the beginning of Managed, she thinks that he can't stand her and he is so into her all along. Um, I am reading right now Kate Canterbury's In a Jam, and that has this absolute thing, right? Like, they were friends in high school, and she they both leave town, and she comes back, and she's just like, oh, my God, no, I'm, like, so excited to see you again. And he – but can't figure out why he's, like, so bitter and kind of pissy. And he, we know in his point of view, right, has – was, like, desperately in love with her in high school, Mm -hmm. and she had no idea, right? And so her coming back is really, like, destabilizing his whole business. So I am, like, a real sucker for he wanted her all along, and she just didn't know. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Blair Babylon, author of Twisted and Tangled, a duology. So, Jen... These are this. We're talking about a duology. Uh, it is part of her Secret Billionaires series. And the hero, Tristan King, 
What a, I mean, a romance hero's name if I've ever heard Perfection. one. Perfection. Already five star, five star name. Tristan King is 26 years old, six feet four, wealthy, frighteningly good at day trading stocks, and he lives on a yacht in Monaco. I mean. But Tristan has a problem, which is he, for romance reasons, has to procure a fair amount of stock of a kind of a, a company called Game Shack. What he doesn't expect to have happen as he goes off to procure this stock is to fall kind of head over heels for an adorable, sunshiny employee of Game Shack, Colleen, who also is a moderator of the stock forum, Sherwood Forest. You know what I love about this? I love the romance, like Law & Order, inspired by life, real life events. Listen, if only billionaires could be like tossed over like this, like these two. Listen, shenanigans happen. Stock shenanigans turn into thrillers that bang shenanigans when uh, the Russian mafia gets involved, as they do. Of course. And there is nothing not to love about the whole setup for this book. So you can find Twisted and Tangled in E or in paper wherever you buy your books. Thank you to Blair for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. It's interesting that you bring up Kate Canterbury because I also have a Kate Canterbury book that I wanted to talk about in relationship to this book. And that is her The Worst Guy, which Mm -hmm. was one of those books that Romance Twitter talked about a couple of months ago and like talked about all the whole time. And um and I I found it very, very delightful. But what I loved about this is so the worst guy is uh the main character, Sarah. Sarah is a reconstructive surgeon, so this is also, like, a STEM heroine workplace stuff is happening here. So I think, like, workplace works out here. Um, He is also a surgeon. She's a reconstructive surgeon. They are enemies. They are rivals to lovers in the workplace. Like, he just, he can't. He's like a, again a very taciturn kind of grumpy hero, and he just sort of hates having a. He's like a real deal, like cut into your arm kind of surgeon, Jennifer. Yes. And she's like a reconstructive surgeon, so she's like always thinking like about smaller stitches. <laughs> yeah, will, right. Like right? her concern is you can't leave someone with a big scar, so they have to worry about a new tattoo. So they're running like. So they're sort of rivals to lovers in the same hospital building, and they have a fight, and they are forced into eight weeks of, like, workplace therapy. Sure. (laughs) Which, fine. Romance, whatever. It's Romance, reason, therapy. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But I picked this because, uh, for, for two reasons. One, I think Kate and... Allie have similar voices in the sense of like they're real, these are fun, they're entertaining reads. They read very fast. They both really, three reasons, because they also both really nail the kind of camaraderie of a group of work, like workplace friends, right? Yes. Who agreed. you can't, so one is set in hospital, one is set in a PhD, like you know, lab, like a PhD program, these both feel like very like high octane, you know, intense locations where everybody's thinking big thoughts and doing big things and taking, you know, their work very seriously. And the friendships that come in that kind of community are very different than the friendships that come if you all say, you know, work at the same bookstore. 
I think. And I think they both like really nail that as a concept. And then there is this, if you love it, when two characters in a romance novel are forced to live, um, to do a sort of fish out of water style. Now we're at a conference and we are having to deal with like a hotel room together or a like interact with each other in a, in a way that's beyond what our ordinary life is. Um, both of these will deliver that to you. They both go, both sets of, both of these couples go off into conference world and like it shakes everything up for them. And, um, I really love that microtrope and, uh, because it always sort of amps up, we've talked about this before on the podcast, it amps up the relationship and it forces them to sort of reconcile with who they are and who they might be together. And I think both of these books do that very, very well. That is also a STEM heroine, Jennifer. There you go. Look at that. Now, I feel like I don't know whether to go to STEM heroine or like pining. I have like so many. You have another, you have more pining. Let's do pining and then pining. we'll come back around to STEM. Okay. I have two more pinings and one is historical, which, you know what, this is like interesting because in our generation, I feel like everybody started in romance with historical, but now I feel like everyone starts with contemporary. So it's like trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to get people to historical. And in Lorraine Heath's The Duchess Hunt, mm. okay, he is a duke. He, and this this has like, she's the one who's been into him all along, but there's also like, one of the things I thought was really interesting with both the love hypothesis and love on the brain is like the, Allie, like you, really likes like a epistolary element. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And in The Duchess Hunt, um, Hugh Brinsley Norton is the Duke, and he's basically like, I need a wife. I, I need someone. I just, and he essentially deputizes his secretary, Penelope Pettypiece, to find him a wife. And so all these women all over England have to write letters to her, and she has to like sort through them. So there's this Adorable. element of like, right? This element of like letters and, and, you know, kind of find, you know, like, not like fake dating necessarily, but like she is, and unlike, she's the one who's been into him all along, but she's like, he's a Duke and I'm his secretary. There's like no chance. But there's also one of the things about the Duchess Hunt, in the love hypothesis, there's a villain, there's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And in the Duchess Hunt, there's also like some danger that they are in. Um, she has a big secret, he has a big secret, and they are, um, they kind of have to work together to figure it out. And so even though this is, I would say, my most like far afield mm-hmm. from, you know what I mean? I I still think like when I was looking at like pining heroes, I was like, oh, I this is a pining heroine, but I really like the sense of like, I want him so bad, but he will never notice me. I'm just oh, forget it. That's great. That's a great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real romance. Oh sweet God. Spot. Yeah. Right. Mm, give it to me. I have one more pining yeah. hero. I've Hit mentioned me. this hero before because if you this is like peak pining to me. I don't think I've ever read a book with pining better than the pining in um Unbroken Wings by Chanel Clayton. And this is the one where uh Joker is the main character. He is they're like fighter pilots or something, and his he's always had this huge crush on his flight buddy's wife, and then that guy dies. 
And so then there's, like, this time where he's, like, trying to, like, you know, support her and take care of her. But he is in love with her. And the pining in this book is just, oh, his name's Easy. Joker is the guy that died. Easy is, like, oh, my God. It's, like, insane how much he wants her. I, I like, can't even... If you want pining, this book is for you. There's, like, nothing else to be said about it. It is unreal. Like, just pure longing for... You could hang this book from your rearview mirror and make your car smell like a forest. That's how much pining it is. (laughs) Oh, look at you. That was so clever. That was so clever. It's true, though. I don't even know what else to say. Just that's it. Listen, it's funny that you brought up Chanel Clayton because... We don't, I think we've ever talked about Chanel Clayton on the episode, on the podcast. And I have a Chanel Clayton book too on my list. Weird. So it must be true, you guys. Chanel must, Chanel Clayton must be like the person that you go to after the love and Kate. So I want to talk, but this is, this is a total, this is a different, we said STEM heroines, we put a pen in them. Now we're going to, we're going to move to a different place, right? Because it's like impossible not to talk about Professor Student as a dynamic here, even though she is not technically sure. his student. There's still a vibe here. And as many of you know, this is an interstitial that we will never do because it is a hard limit for Jen. But it is in no way a hard limit for me. <laughs> it is a very easy not limit for me, um, this relationship dynamic. So um, I want to talk just briefly about Playing With Trouble, which is Chanel's, um, Chanel Clayton's, I don't know if it's, it's number two in her Capital Confessions series. Now, um, this one, the heroine Blair is the daughter of one of the, like, a very powerful uh, Senate, United States senator. She's very posh. She comes from a lot of money. She's very put together. She was supposed to become, like, the wife of the a future president or whatever, but instead she found out that her, you know— fiance was cheating on her and like everything that she had expect been expected to be for her whole life was just like in shambles. So she decides that she's going to go back to law school and she gets there and her torts professor is like hot and perfect in every way. Graydon Cantor is also like a billionaire because of course he is. Of course. So like this takes what Allie does in the love hypothesis and sort of dials all the characters up to 11. It's like a very different kind of dynamic, but it does have that sort of gentle taboo. I've also got other professor-student romances that are like flat-out taboo, but like this one, if you're like, I need it to be just like riding the edge and I need it to all be like on the up and up and nobody's going to like have a Title IX review, this is the one for you. Um... Anyway, it's delightful. Chanel is most famous for, what's it called, Next Year in Havana? Yeah, yes. Um, Which was one of those books that just, like, blew the doors off. But, and most people, a lot of people don't know that prior to that, she was writing these, like, very sexy, very great romances. So. uh, Yes. Big fans, apparently. I didn't even know. I didn't know. See? Who knew? All right, where do you want to go from here? Well, I think we could do a quick tour of STEM heroines, although I do feel like... Do you want me to just, like, quickly do my professors, too? Yes. Yeah, no, no, I think we should do those. That's Now is the time. Yeah, maybe since Jen, this isn't a Jen thing, I'll just take the Look, moment and add I'm not going to lie to you. She's going to probably mention something. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I read that. It was good. It just is not like... it. it I get it. 
I get it. Yeah. Sometimes it's hot. It's fine. It's just. Okay. So in order of like least inappropriate to most inappropriate. (laughs) I will have read the ones on the most inappropriate scale because it'll just like, it won't even trigger me. I'll be like, yeah, this is clearly just like pure fantasy. Okay. The next one is um, Losing It by Cora Carmack. And it's interesting because I've been thinking a lot about Cora recently. And so here we are. Um, Cora, this is one of, this is a classic in terms of, it's a new adult. So Cora, for those of you who don't know about Cora, she was like a huge, huge deal. She's a fabulous writer. She was a huge, huge deal, deal in the like, the like big boom of new adult in yeah. the like 2012s. 2012s, like there was more than one of them. Whatever you know, you know. what I mean. Um, and there, but there was a period of time, Jen, as you know, like you know, where it was like everybody's talking about new adult, and Cora was one of those authors, and she, and I think she is somebody who keeps coming up in my brain because I think what's happening with a lot of these very popular books um, is they're like scratching that new adult itch in an interesting mm, way, right? That's that sort interesting. of interesting. Yeah. Which is basically new adult doesn't exist anymore because it's a silly thing to call a romance novel. They're, these are just contemporary romances set like right. with young heroines Younger, largely. Right. Like, but both. Anyway, this the book is losing it. Uh the heroine is a senior in college. She is still a virgin. She goes out with her friends. Her friends are all like, "Why are you still a virgin? You got to cut that shit loose." <laughs> So she says, fine. She has a one-night stand. And Jennifer, what do you think happens the first day of class on her last semester? I mean, clearly that's her new professor. Hello. Of course. <laughs> exactly. It goes I've been ex- here before. <laughs> Listen, Cora knows the job. It goes exactly like you want it to go. It's very great. And can't I can't recommend it enough. Losing it. That's lo- Losing it by Cora Carmack. <sighs> uh Charlotte Stein wrote a book called The Professor. Listen, that's hot. Sure. (laughs) The heroine is uh, in an English class, and she's supposed to be, it's like a writing class, and she has been, she has had the, like, straight up fire pants hots for this professor (laughs) all semester, and she um, has been writing, like, secret erotic, like, fic about him, and she accidentally (laughs) turns in... The erotic story that she has written about him. Uh, to him. To him. Which, I mean, I would immediately leave school. Leave Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I would leave Earth. I'd be but fine. I built that's myself why a rocket. I'm not- a STEM heroine. Goodbye. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm sorry. I have, I've now died. <laughs> so I'm leaving school. Um but that is why we are not romance heroines and Charlotte Stein's heroines are um, because she actually does not leave Earth. Instead, he's like, he calls her to his office after class. And all the things that happen are exactly what you think are going to happen. And it's just totally delightful and also extraordinarily wrong. Like, this is where, like, if you can't suspend disbelief on this, you can't go down this road. Um, but listen, we've talked about Charlotte before on the on the podcast, although not recently. And all I have to say is, like, if you want two characters just trapped in a phone booth together falling in love with you, this is it. It's Charlotte. That book is called The Professor. And then the final one is Saffron Kent's – I think that's also called The Professor. No. The final one is Saffron Kent's Unrequited, which is 
very intense. Like this is not, this actually leads like kind of far afield from the love hypothesis in that the heroine is having like, it's very intense. It's very like, I mean, these two people are both deeply broken in their own way. Um, The heroine, it's borderline. It's, it's dark in the sense that like she, she's obsessed with the, her professor and they do fall for each other. And it's very intense and hot and obsessive. And like, you definitely, if, if this sort of, if you feel like this at all about anybody in your life, you should seek help. But great book. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, honestly. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about um, the STEM heroines. Now, I feel like it's interesting because when I look at books that are like, you know, like The Love Hypothesis, this is really where people. I think, tend to go the most frequently. So I don't even know if this is something, like, I think we're just going to name some titles and assume you've heard of these before, at least to me. Um, Although then I want to talk a little bit about NASA um, from Love on the Brain. So the kiss quotient, of course. Oh, right. That's my, that's Um, my first one, too. Right. The soulmate of all of these, I would say the soulmate equation to me is like the best read alike mm-hmm, in that it is clever and funny and light and like, yeah, it's delightful. The banter also, it's, it is also heroin only point of view. So it has that sense of mm-hmm. really like us not really knowing what's in the, in the soulmate equation, what's going on with river. Right. Yep. But I will, can I just qualify on the kiss quotient front? That is hot. That book is, that book does the sort of sex scenes Yes. Similarly to the love hypothesis. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then Susanna Nix has an entire series called Chemistry Lessons. And I have read the purple one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something about thermodynamics, I think. Uh, yeah, they're, the, the titles are all very charming. Yeah, like they're all, you're going to know exactly which ones because they all have, oh, no, I read Advanced Physical Chemistry. That's the purple one. Um, So if those all have like a a STEM angle if you're really into that. And then a little bit of like a more old school one that is several years old, but I feel like a a lot of people really read it. if you are into romance class, right, so these are books that are written by Filipina authors set in the Philippines, a really great one is called Beginner's Guide, Love and Other Chemical Reactions. And the author's name is Six De Los Reyes. Mm-hmm. And she is, um, Kaya is the heroine. She is a graduate student or a research assistant in like molecular something. And she basically decide like she's really tired of everyone in her family like giving her a hard time about not having a boyfriend and so she comes up essentially with like a scientific process to find herself a man in time for like a family event um i think it's like a wedding or something of course and then of course who does she fall in love with nero who is a cafe owner and not any of the things she thinks she should want at all and it is a really like delightful it has that same like real sciency feeling to it and it's it's terrific so those are my step oh wait i do want to do you have more stem and then I'll talk i have about lots NASA. of them okay so go ahead and then i'll talk about nasa are you going to talk about Ammon barry and genevieve turner because of course i am I want to tell you a story. So at the beginning of Love on the Brain, which is the second one, I know we are mostly talking about the love hypothesis, B and her arch nemesis, right, who has been in love with her all along, 
um, essentially are going to co-run a thing out of sp- at, at a few in Houston out of NASA. And part of the reason this is funny, and I'm going to, is if you have been around since season one, you know I have like a lot of feelings about the moon. <laughs> when I was, I don't know if I have told this story, when I was a pretty young teacher, like I just started at a school in Oakland, and um, this was before Little Romance was born. I just started there, so it was probably like 2000. I actually got sent on a professional development thing to the Jet Propulsion Lab at NASA. Jennifer, for I didn't a week. know this, this story. Is- this is where I learned all about the boon. And it was for like, there's a, some, it's like these kind of teaching kits called FOSS, I think. And it was, um, there was one on planetary science. And it's like the way these kits work is they're for like people like me who are teaching science but aren't scientists. And they're mm-hmm. really like, okay, here's what you do. But they had like a whole week where you could like learn everything about planetary science with like actual scientists at NASA. So I went off to Houston for a week, which was great for me because I used to live there. That's where I did Teach for America. My in-laws still live there. And I like spent a week at NASA at the Jet Propulsion Lab learning about the moon. This is why I like know so much about the moon. And so at the beginning when B is like at NASA and how excited she is, I was like, I know exactly where she is, which was very cool. And it reminded me, of course, of Emma Berry and Genevieve Turner's Fly Me to the Moon series, which is all about astronauts in the, like, 50s and 60s. In the space race. Yeah. Yes. Um, My pick for this was uh, Earthbound, which I don't know what what number that is of of this series, but Earthbound is the one where the heroine is also an engineer. They are both engineers. Again, it's a little bit, like, it's, again, rivals lovers, workplace. It feels like... um, That'll scratch a very particular kind of itch for you if you love that. There are not a lot of astronaut romances out there, everybody, and I just want you to know that I'm sad. There's a lot of alien romances. <laughs> different <laughs> thing entirely. That's different. That's not the same at all. Different thing entirely. Okay. Ruby Lang's acute reactions. Oh, great call. Yeah. Listen, Ruby is funny. These books, this, I mean, this book begins, I think the first line is something like, the guy with allergies never gets the girl. <laughs> and he's, the hero is, um, uh, is in, he's, his girlfriend at the time uh, has a cat and she refuses to get rid of the cat because of his terrible cat allergies. And so he has like taken himself to the allergist to get shots or whatever for this cat and lo and behold, he falls in love with the allergist. Um, and there is a lot of discussion. This also sort of is similar in the sense that um, there's a lot of discussion. She, the the heroine of this book, Petra, the allergist, feels very, like, concerned about the fact that she's starting to have feelings for essentially her patient. And so there's, yeah. there's like, a, there's some ethics stuff here that goes on, but it's actually all very funny and very clever. And Ruby is a wonderful writer. And this is a whole series about doctors. Like, so if you love that world of STEM, you, you'll be very happy in here. I don't think you can talk about STEM heroines without talking about Jane Ann Krentz, or rather Amanda Quick, who, when, you know, when we said we were going to talk about historicals um, or Sometimes, like if you are, have if you have read the Love Hypothesis and loved it, but like want to try something that's completely not a contemporary, and you've you know you can always go to Emma and Genevieve who are writing in the fifties and sixties. But Amanda Quick wrote a series, 
almost all of her historical heroines have like some relationship to STEM, um, and that's really fun. There's Eva Lee's My Fake Rake, um, which is two scientists who um, the oh, heroine nice. Grace is uh, she just she's a wallflower and she just likes science and she wants to be left alone with her science and. Um, so she needs a fake relationship, essentially. Like, somebody to just, like, fake woo her through the season just to see her onto the shelf. And so she basically, this is a little bit Pygmalion. She basically, there's this kind of very dorky, um, very sort of quiet anthropologist who turns up Sebastian. I mean, obviously, he's a romance hero. With a name like that. I mean, sure. name is Destiny. And uh, she transforms him into this kind of bookish hero into a dashing kind of not really a rake, but he's good at the job. He's good at playing the, the game. And, of course, it doesn't. it doesn't all work out the way she thinks, and they fall in love, and it's great. And Eva really um, loves a sex scene. They're very sexy, and you'll enjoy that one, I think, too. Can I tell you, I'm sorry, where, yeah. where are you still on, are you still on STEM? Because I cannot actually believe that when I talked about pining heroes at the beginning, we did not talk about Sin and Ink by Naima Simone. It's because we brought her up at the beginning when we were talking about tattoos, but you're right. Okay. Yes, so just, obviously. Obviously. Sorry, everybody. I mean, just, I had to say it. Wait, to say and it. Gorilla Twins. I mean, and Waking well, Up with the Duke. All right, yeah. we're going to go back to pining heroes for just a moment. <laughs> Naima Simone, Sin and Ink, we've talked about it before. Yeah. Uh, he, it's his dead brother's wife again. Amazing. I mean, yeah. Listen, and if you like dead brother's wife, <laughs> Lorraine Heath has got the Earl Takes All, which, I mean, the hero is a twin. While he takes his brother on, like, a tour where his brother dies from a gorilla attack, Leaving uh, yeah. his pregnant wife at home, the brother, the dead brother's pregnant wife is at home, and in a fear that the pregnant wife will, like, go into grief and potentially lose her child, the hero comes back pretending to be his dead brother, yes. and, like, he's been in love with her forever. It's, yeah. Look, Lorraine Heath knows the job here. She does She does this better than anybody, this particular kind of pining. Yes. Uh, also, our very fa- my very favorite Lorraine Heath book is Waking Up with the Duke, um, where the hero has to, for romance reasons, impregnate the heroine who is married to his cousin. And let me tell you the pining, <laughs> because he yeah. has loved her unconditionally from afar for so forever. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Okay, sorry. Sorry, no, a pining it. interlude because it's – I just was like – I feel like that is – I do feel like that's like a big thing about – that makes these books really appealing. Yeah, these, the love hypothesis. Right? Yes. Yeah. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by MJoy. So this is cool. MJoy is a sexual well-being audio app, and it, you can use it to boost your libido and climax more consistently with new techniques, improve your relationships, accept your body through well-being sessions, and spark your imagination through hundreds of audio erotica stories. Another really cool thing about this is all of MJoy's content is scientifically backed and created by a team of sexual health experts, including sex therapists and OBGYNs. And every week they <laughs> release a new batch of audio erotica. You can find MJoy on 
the Apple App Store or in the Google Play Store. And as a special offer for Faded Mates listeners, you can access a free 14-day trial to MJoy with the link letsmjoy.com slash mates. That's E for erotic, M for mmm, and J for joy. Um, aren't you curious what MJoy has in store for you? There's only one way to find out. Again, that's letsmjoy.com slash mates for your 14-day free trial. And thanks to MJoy for sponsoring the episode. Can we talk about just like this? I think this is now a good time for me to point out a microtrope that I really love that I could not think of a single book that had it, even though- We're at the microtrope stage, go. I've read a thousand of them. This is one of those, I've never read a book before. Um, (laughs) I love in this book, the moments. So they go, so as part of their like fake relationship, they decide every Wednesday they're going to have coffee together at like the public Starbucks on campus so that everyone can see them together in full view. Autumn comes, pumpkin spice comes. She loves a coffee that's like just a pure sugar bomb, like filled with like caramel and like nonsense material and he's like this black is, coffee only. yeah he's like black coffee only and also like this is terrible for you like you're basically just injecting chemicals like what you should not be drinking any of this it's definitely going to give you cancer and she's like i love it it's so great and then he starts to order it for her and i fucking love this like this is one of those like truly micro the micro yes yeah, the micro retrope I want that vibe in every okay. book. And now I can't think of a single book that has it, but obviously many, many books have it. Okay. I have one that is actually a really like charming spin on that. And I have to find it's Rebecca Zanetti, of course. Oh, obviously. She's terrific. And so in Rebecca Zanetti's Deep Ops series, of course, you know, it's like this band of, you know, people who all like are you know on the outs with like the CIA or whatever but they're gonna work together to get like this one bad guy right Mm -hmm. so like you know uh, only in like you know romance reasons has essentially this team assembled right right and so in this series in particular in one of the books and I actually love this one of the like one of the guys is named Clarence, which is, like, a really funny – that's, like, my, mm-hmm. like, weird old, like, great uncle's name, but mm. here we are. And he is – he is constantly buying everybody these, like, super sugary drinks and bringing them in, and no one likes them. <laughs> but they they don't know how to tell him that Aww. they don't like him. Sweet <laughs> It's a really, really, I really love cute. It. And then he gets his own book. His own book is the one called Broken. And he is a former Navy SEAL, but he is essentially just, this is how he's going to take care of people. And I think it's just really charming that it's like this burly, like buff dude who's buying everybody like the sugar bomb drinks. Very micro. I love it. I'm getting it right now. <laughs> right now. Well, and it's on Kindle Unlimited right now. Perfect. Yeah, I'll have to think of other ones, but yeah, that's a good one. So hit us up. Make sure you tell me on Instagram or Jen will will report in from Twitter if you yes. have a good a good uh okay. example of this. I have a couple other microtropes that I think are really funny from this book. One is 
a very tall hero. Oh, very tall. Well, I mean, every Sarah McLean hero. Well, obviously. <laughs> this is and I mean, I think this is like one of those things where like people like <laughs> this is a very romance thing. This man I mean, I will say this you, about the love right? hypothesis. This man is so tall, like everyone yeah, is raining right. to look at him. Yes. So I was thinking, I was like, okay, this is like every IAD book and also every Black Dagger Brotherhood book. Uh-huh. But also there is a book called The Wall of Winnipeg and Me. Oh, yeah. Mariana Zapata. Right. And I feel like, look, I feel like if these, to me, I feel like there's a lot of overlap in between. That's a great read Right? Like, it's it's heroin only point of view. It, you know, no one knows what this man is thinking. The only thing is, it's like, Winnipeg is very slow burn. I mean. Oh, God. I think they, like, well, the look, slowest they of burns. I think you're going to maybe get a kiss. He's definitely not eating his come out of her. Sorry. I just wanted to say that. But. <laughs> I just, the people need to know, Sarah. I mean, we are doing the Lord's work here. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I, that one made me laugh, though, because I was like, you can't even really, like, this is so many books where he's just towers over her. That's a good one. I have a couple other things that are worth talking about. One of the things that I thought was really interesting about this book, especially the love hypothesis, I mean, is how it really leans into what to me is a very primordial old school trope, which is... The isolated, lonely heroine. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh. So Olive is like, I mean, now she has her friends, but she herself like sort of self-identifies as I'm alone in the world, mm-hmm. right? I don't I don't have family. I, I have to, I mean, at one point, this is a very poignant like little piece of character work that she has to like make up people to have be her emergency contacts on forms, right? Like, that's a, I mean, and, you know, by the time it's a couple years in between the prologue and the, um, you know, like the beginning of the book, she has formed some really close friendships with other graduate students. She's finally found like a lifelong friend. But I really was interested in that because this is to me a very like, again, poignant kind of old-school trope, a woman who starts off pretty lonely and then, like, has to find people. I feel like all of Julie Garwood's historicals really lean into this, mm-hmm. but especially The Secret, which is the one where um, she goes to Scotland to be with her best friend who's having a baby because she does have her one best friend. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me think of this because at the beginning of this book um, – Olive has on her best friend, and actually everything that goes down really is because she just really wants on to know that it's okay to date this one guy she went out on a few dates with. Mm-hmm. I, you know, again, I don't the 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 lonely heroine thing. I don't know. Like it just struck me. Like that did really remind me of that one Julie Garwood book. But the other thing I really think we should say is that one of the hallmarks I think of the love hypothesis is just how bantery and fun it is to mm-hmm. read. The real, like, back and forth between the main characters or between the characters in general, that real sharp observational writing style. Um, And so I was, like, trying to think, like, what are books that really have great banter like that? And, you know, I think this is a real strength of Julia Quinn's. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you are if you're going to if you have if you watch Bridgerton but haven't read The Viscount Who Loves Me, like 
it has that exact same vibe. And Kate is trying to like kind of do the right thing for her sister. So it also kind of reminded me a little bit of that. But just how sharply funny it is and how fast-paced and fun the writing is. Like, that's why... Julia Quinn's Bridgerton books to me are so like they're really yeah fun to read, a delight right? these books yeah. Allie's voice yes is just sparkling I mean like when yes. you when we talk about authorial voice it's so it's basically impossible to teach right you either you, yes you either have it or like everybody has a voice and it's either the kind of voice everyone wants to read or it isn't and like you can tell an Allie Hazelwood book from a mile away. Like, yeah. even even now, two books in. I mean, it's not just two books. She has two full novels and a bunch of novellas. And, I mean, she's right. clearly been writing for a long time and has. Um, but, like, I, it's just, it just is crackling. Yeah. Similar to Jennifer Cruzy in a lot of ways. Say, of course. That's what I was There is too. a real Cruzy vibe to Allie's writing. Um, also, in the sense of, like, that bet me kind of. There's like a kind of slow roll of a villain all the way through, and then at the end, the villain really gets what's coming to them. If you love Allie's books, Jennifer Cruzy is a is a really good read alike. Also, I don't want to leave this episode without talking about Mia Sosa's The Worst Best Man, which also has that kind of like workplace rivals. They're both trying to prove themselves for a particular reason. They it's a little bit more enemies to lovers Mia's version, but it's really, really great. And I mean, talk about a book that has a sparkling dialogue, a really strong through line, a powerful voice. And actually, the more I'm talking about it now on the podcast, the more I'm like, that's a great read alike. Like, almost like start there at the worst best man. Yeah. Um, I think we've talked extensively about Susan Elizabeth Phillips, but again, to, there, to me, Allie's books really do kind of scratch that, like, old school. Yeah, but cruisy over Phillips, it feels like to me. Oh, yes, do you, for sure. Do you think? I, I mean, definitely agree. I think there are a couple of of Phillips that kind of maybe would, would work that are, like, super high, yeah. like, Super high banter, so um, natural born charm. No, not natural born charmer. What's the one? Nobody's baby but mine. Yeah, and she, of course, is like a scientist, kind of clueless in the way. Oh of yeah, the of world, course, and right? prof- she's a professor. Yeah, so that one that makes sense, right? Whereas I would say go cruisy, and then when you're like, I love cruisy because you will. She's great. Yeah. Right. Go cruisy Phillips. Like then yes. open right. that and direction. Not, and not every Phillips, but like in particular, like nobody's baby but mine. Kind of hit that. Mm-hmm. Hit that for me. Um, and it's interesting because we talk about Bet Me, of course, and Welcome to Temptation. But one of my favorites, one of my all-time favorite cruisy books is called Faking, faking It. Faking It. I was just going to say, it's Faking It. It's Faking It. Mm-hmm. And based in this book, a, she is an art forger. And he, it, like her, fa- she comes from a long line of like kind of gallery owners. and But there's always been this like sort of are they, you know, clean? Are they forging? Kind of question about them. And then the hero is a like a flat out con man, and mm-hmm. they together team up, and it is it's terrific. And I feel like it's one of those books where I'm always like, why don't people talk about faking it more? It's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, Jenny Cruz is great. Yeah. Period. 
period. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I have to say about that. Exactly. Um, I think we've done a good job, Jen. I feel like we have. Do you have anything else to share? Oh, Uh, wait. I have something else. I want it at the end. Okay. I have, I have one more. I have, there's a book called Playing for Keeps, a neighbor from hell novel. Have I ever talked about this series before? It's by R.L. Mathewson. And this is the first book in the series. And it basically starts off with this woman who she's like, you know, owns her own home and, you know, it's kind of just like a, like a shy little, you know, I take care of business person mm-hmm. and her, but she, uh, uh, like this bad boy moves in next door and she just cannot stand how he is ruining the whole fucking neighborhood for her. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she like essentially is like going to go over there. You know, I think he like runs over her flowers or something and she's finally like has had enough. And of course it turns out that he had no idea he was annoying the hell out of her. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is a book that's, it's, I read it, I get, I bet I read it 10 years ago. And every once in a while, I still think about like the the repartee between these two and sort of that sense of like, she's just furious and he had no idea. And I think that there's a lot of that like vibe in Allie's books, like mm-hmm. sort of the like, why don't you know what I'm thinking, right? How can you not just be reading my mind? So that's like a real, I haven't reread it in a long time, but I think of it often when I think of that like sort of like, push-pull vibe that we also get in Allie's book, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the kind of, like, what's going on? How are you really feeling? So, before we started recording, I contacted Allie Hazelwood, and I contacted Adriana Herrera, and I said, look, I don't know about Raylo Fick, so (laughs) will you please recommend some books slash Fick? That yes. we can recommend to readers who are like, I came for Raylo. Now I've listened to you two idiots talk for an hour <laughs> about everything else but Raylo. And you haven't I'm- said a word about Raylo. So, what I wanna say is that um, Ali and Adriana have put together a list of fix that they love that we will add Perfect. to show notes. So, you can go and read these on AO3 and get your full Raylo experience. Also, listen, everybody, you can send AO3 fix to your Kindle. If like reading it at AO3 feels like a deal breaker to you, you can you can have the reading experience you need on your Kindle with these. I love it. I don't know how it works, but I'm sure someone has explained it on YouTube. It's fine. <laughs> I have not read any of these books, so I'm just going to name them. But um, Go Hex Yourself by Jessica Clare which was a very popular book in the last year, is Raylo Fick. And Winter's Orbit, um, which is sci-fi, uh, it's a it's a space opera book. That's Kirk and Spock Fick, but Adriana Same wanted energy. me to mention it. Adriana was like, you got to <laughs> say this because it's great. Fine. She okay. thinks it's the best Fick to novel she's read all year. That's by Everina Maxwell. And then I'm going to add... Hellmouth Guardian's Lover, which is Adriana's new monster romance and is Buffy fic, um, for those of you who loved Buffy as much as we all did. Um, that is out October 4th, so it is out, what, it was out, it's out already. It came out yesterday. Oh, there you go. So, um, we are very excited to support Adriana and Hellmouth Guardian's Lover. 
We're for Fun. it. Anyway, check show notes for more fix that are Rayla fix. And um, stay tuned because we have something cooking with Adriana and Allie anyway. So something howling maybe? <laughs> is that what we call it? I don't know. Is that a thing? I don't well, know. Maybe. Maybe it is. Considering what we're talking about, I would assume. I, Nobody I, knows, but we I know. don't it's pretend to understand what we're going to talk about. <laughs> okay. It's going to be amazing. Okay, Jen. Uh, Faded States is happening. We are making a phone call this weekend. I don't know to which campaign, but it's happening. Please check show notes, Twitter, Instagram. Come out and hang out with us. We do it every Saturday from now through Election Day at 2 p.m. Central. Um, All the links will be in show notes, as always. And also, anytime you want to, you could check out um, fadedmates.net slash fadedstates, and you can find the information about where we're calling that weekend. You can order the Body Bookworms book book box this month, I think through October 15th or 20th. We partnered with um, Body Bookworms to bring you uh, a Caribbean heiress in Paris along with some other really fun, cool stuff. And um, we don't get any proceeds from that. What we were able to do, and we love this, is pick where we wanted um, kind of a slice of the profits to go to, and we have picked the National Abortion Fund. So you can get yourself something cool and support people who need an abortion at the same time. Thanks to MJoy for sponsoring the episode. Again, you can go to letsmjoy.com slash mates for a two-week free trial of the MJoy app. And thanks to Blair Babylon, author of Twisted, for sponsoring the episode. Have a great week, everyone. 